All right, everyone, welcome back in. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0, our off-season series where we power rank the division position by position continues. To do that, it's yours truly, Wobby, joined by my partner in crime, my co-host, Giles. Excited to get to it with the edge rushers, the defensive ends, the pass-rushing units for every team in the NFC North. Giles, how you doing, man? This was a fun one to study, don't you think? Oh my goodness. Uh, other than the cornerback position, edge rusher has to be towards the top. Uh, super, yep. super exciting. Uh, right on the edge of glory here. Uh, I mean, when you think about all the most important positions in football, edge rushers right up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, more importantly, I'm really excited about the Vikings uh, introduction in the 2023 season. I think we're going to go into one with a good one. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when we were deciding to do this series, Giles, it, it was like a no brainer to start with quarterback, right? And we were kind of deciding, like, what should we do next? And it was between offensive linemen or edge rushers. And it's like, doesn't that just tell you what's important in this league, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a quarterback-driven league. And if not the quarterback, the next most important position is the men protecting the quarterback or the men attacking the quarterback, right? Yep, <laughs> 100%. Um, and so here, here we are uh, with the pass-rushing units for each team as, as we go through and, and power rank them against one another. The point of this exercise um, throughout the offseason – is to just gauge where we think the Vikings are relative to the rest of the division. And Mm -hmm. it's very common and very easy to take a high-level look at that and just look down at everything in totality and make a pretty quick assessment. But we wanted to do something methodical and something where we could combine qualitative and quantitative analysis, and and so that's what we're doing. So I'm looking forward to this one, Giles, because with the quarterbacks, it's just one guy. And, and, you know, the starter – the backup and um, the developmental guy. But here we still have three players, but there's just a little more, there's more dynamics to consider here. There are more mm-hmm. dynamics uh, to consider here. And 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three, uh, plays into it. Um, and so it was, it was kind of a fun one to go through. And a very key distinction here as you follow along with us, as Giles and I go through this, is who are you identifying as the right edge right defensive end who are you identifying as a left edge left defensive end and who are you identifying as the key backup because um learned minds could uh disagree on on who each of those should be for their respective teams right so you know a good example when you look at the detroit lions we have charles harris listed as the right defensive end or right edge player for them but if you go back and look at the lions last year there's a couple of guys that you could um sub into harris's place Um, Right. So um, we decided to go with Harris. So this will be a fun exercise for us to go through. We did settle on uh, each of those three players for each of the four teams. We have our rankings and we're going to talk through them right now. Um, Anything, though, notable for you, Giles, off the off the uh, right out of the gates before we get into the rankings as you were looking at this? What was your overall assessment of it? And where I'm going with this is I remember looking at this last week with the quarterbacks and I, I was kind of my takeaway in general for the division was there's not a lot of depth at quarterback in the NFC North. Like no matter which team you're talking about, an injury to the starter early in the season, I would view that as catastrophic to that, that team's chances for success. So that was one yep. of my takeaways on the quarterbacks yep. last week. Did you have anything like that on these, on these edge rushers? Did you come away impressed, unimpressed? Uh, did anything surprise you? 
Um, I guess it depends on the team by team, but I think uh, it's maybe in a somewhat similar position in terms of my confidence level in the depth pieces, not super mm-hmm. confident in the depth. Um, some teams are better than others. Um, you know, some teams have pretty uh, solid starters, but then trail off. Some people have meh starters, but then have a decent depth piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm not super in love with all the depth pieces behind all of it. Maybe you would disagree, but I think um, that that can be kind of formatted in two different postures, the quality of the depth and the the quantity of depth. I think other than the Minnesota Vikings, uh, I think the other three teams in the division have decent depth in terms of quantity. They have at least bodies behind them. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings, we're maybe a little bit lacking in terms of actual quantity. Um, but that was one quick takeaway that I found yeah that's a good one you know you look at the Packers and Bears and their notable depth person who we identified for this exercise the Packers was Lucas Van Ness first round Mm -hmm. pick this year so Mm -hmm. no production that we can go off of just his pedigree as a first round pick and maybe a little bit of what he did in college and what we think he's going to do as a rookie but then Mm -hmm. then the Bears have Terrell Lewis who is the antithesis of that he's a veteran (laughs) Um, he came from the Rams where he won a Super Bowl but wasn't a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he brings a different sort of um, set of advantages as a depth piece. So mm-hmm. two very different ways to go about it. Um, yep. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that nuance here. Let's, um, let's start um, right edge. Uh, we'll start there. Here's who we've identified um, in the NFC North as the right edge players for each team. Uh, for the mm-hmm. Vikings, Marcus Davenport. For the Lions, Charles Harris. For the Packers, Preston Smith, and for the Bears, Demarcus Walker. Uh, at, to me, Giles, I I went, I leaned here toward Preston Smith because okay. of the equity he's got built up, his production over mm-hmm. an extended period of time. I think the case to be made for Marcus Davenport is one of potential, right? Mm-hmm. One of what an unknown ceiling. Yep. Um, so really, those two, I think, were sort of neck and neck for me. Now, Charles Harris is interesting uh, because he's got pedigree as a former first-round pick, mm-hmm. but he's been banged up, and he's, he's missed some time. Uh, mm-hmm. When on the field, he's, he's been pretty productive, yep. uh, but, but he's been banged up. And then the Bears, yep. man, the <laughs> Bears and their pass rush last year, Giles. Yikes. I was looking at some of the numbers. Um, they ranked 32nd in sacks with 20 last year. And because of that lack of pressure, they surrendered a completion percentage of 67.2. They surrendered a passer rating of 94.4. And they allowed 49% conversion rate on third down. And to me, that all stems because they couldn't get after the quarterback. So what yeah. the Bears did was they went to the market and added some pass rushers. And their right edge player, uh, right defensive end, Demarcus Walker, they signed to a three-year, $21 million deal coming off of a, a seven-sack season with Tennessee mm-hmm. a year ago. So um, interesting group here uh, at right edge. The way I, um, the way I finished my rankings was um, on a scale of, uh, of zero to 10 mm-hmm. for starting edge players. <clears throat> I went Preston Smith, number one. I gave him an eight. Davenport, yep. I gave a seven. He came in second. And then Demarcus Walker and Charles Harris, I, I gave both of them a six um, okay. for different reasons. Walker gets a six because he's coming off of some productive years, and I think they're projecting him to be a great player. Harris mm-hmm. gets a six because when healthy, he produces like an eight. When 
but he's not healthy a lot, so that knocks him down to like a four. So I yep. met in the middle there and gave him a six. So I went yep. Preston Smith eight, Marcus Davenport seven, Walker and Harris each get a six. Okay, fair enough. I think uh, I totally understand your position when it comes to those those metrics. I took a little bit of a different spin, so feel free to shoot holes through this philosophy. Let's go. But I yeah. tried to rank uh, edge rushers based on these categories. The run, the pass, tackling, and then the sheer quantity of uh, pressures and sacks. Um, So based on that quantitative metric, uh, on a scale of one to 10, I have, excuse me, Marcus Davenport at a six with the high upside of maybe an eight. Uh, If he had a Pro Bowl season, maybe a nine, but I I, I think his ceiling would be an eight. Um, I have Charles Harris at a four because he had a pretty severe um, issue when it came to the run in the past. I mean, he was one of the worst run defenders in football last year. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe he makes a bounce back, but I think last year he had some pretty severe performance on the field. Um, he ranked towards the bottom in sanks and, and in pressures. He's one of the worst pressure generating edge rushers in the NFL. Um, but with that being said, uh, the reason that he is not like a one, two, or three for me is that he was one of the best tackling edge def- defenders in the league. Actually, yeah. I think he was ranked the best tackler uh, in the NFL last year. But in every other category yeah. was borderline train wreck uh, capacity. So if he can make a comeback, I make this at a, a high of a seven. So currently he's a four, but I have a high of a seven if he's able to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of Preston Smith, I actually have a similar posture there. I currently ranked him at a five because in the run of the pass, he was below average in both of those. He had a pretty severe downtick in, in performance. Um, when you look at his 2022 season, uh, last year, he had a 66.4 grade. But in 2021, he had an 81.5 grade. Mm-hmm. So he was he was uh, in the elite category in 2021, but really trailed off in 2022. So uh, if he can make it back, I put him at a high of an 8 or a 9, um, back to his true form. But he's currently at a 5. Um and then uh, similar reasons for Demarcus Walker. I put him at a five with the upside of an eight, um, primarily because he uh, existed primarily as a, an interior defender uh, through the majority of his time uh, in the NFL. Um, uh, we just signed him from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but if he's able to translate pr- that productivity onto the kind of the edge defender type uh, role, I project that to be you know maybe an eight. But currently, I have a six, four, five, and five uh, for that right edge group. Okay, so you you came in with lower overall numbers for sure. You came away mm-hmm. less maybe less impressed with this group. We'll see mm-hmm. how the left edge goes and the depth goes. Yep. Maybe I'm a little too lenient or liberal in my grading. Um, I remember uh, the Preston Smith one is an interesting one, Giles. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really where I see us diverging the most. Um, okay. As we as we take a look at it. Yep. And. You're probably hitting the nail on the head with um, a comprehensive look at his game Mm -hmm. and a little bit of a downtick last year. He probably Mm -hmm. lost a step. I I come at it from... It's also 30 years old, which is kind of the age in which people tend to fall off. And so this is can be um, a flawed way to look at it, but it can also be a practical way to look at it. I just know that when you are playing Green Bay mm-hmm. and you're getting ready for them, like Preston Smith is a thorn in your side. Um, you know, Absolutely. He, Something he, to be game planned around. Yeah. Like he's going to play. He never misses games. Yeah. And he's going to produce. And I remember us playing against him when he was with Washington. Mm-hmm. And I remember us playing against him. Like when he signed with Green Bay, he signed the same year or really close to when Zadarius Smith signed there. 
Yep. You know, and it was Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. And I didn't know much about Zadarius Smith because he played yep. for Baltimore. But yep. I was like, God, P- Preston Smith signed with Green Bay? Like, man, yep. now i got to see this guy <laughs> twice a year. So I'm coming at it from that vantage point, um, mm-hmm. which gives him a little bit better grade. When you come at it from the analytical standpoint and by the numbers, you're probably exactly right. Like, And, and we're terming this edge rushers and the pass rushing group. You know they have to do more than just rush the passer, right? Um, and so, I think um, maybe Preston Smith getting to a point in his career next season where he'll be more of a mercenary, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's not you're not asking him to play sixty snaps or fifty snaps a game. You're going to ask him to play twenty five or thirty and have him yep. specialize in the things that he does well, which you can take a look at the PFF grades and figure that out. Yeah, um, which is clearly sex. Your tapes. Right, which yeah. is which like is he's a guy that puts number on the numbers on the board. He was yeah. technically the 54th ranked edge rusher out of 130 qualified edge rushers. Um, so 54th out of 130, but he was still 16th in, in total sacks. So he was able yeah. to still put numbers on the board, even though his technique and his his uh, technicals across the board were down. Yep. So I think it's interesting, Giles, that your scores came in where they did, um, significantly lower than mine, and. We'll see how, now. We'll, we'll go to left edge here, but yours make a little more sense, I think, when you look at the big picture. Because, as I mentioned with Chicago and their numbers last year against the pass, I mean, just atrocious because they mm. could not get after the passer. Um, no one was really great at rushing the passer last year in the NFC North, um, especially when Zadarius went down for the Vikings. They really tailed off. Yes. Um, you know, Detroit surrendered a 94 passer rating and gave up 45% on third downs. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they only had 39 sacks. They ranked 18th. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and Green Bay was fifth worst in total sacks with 34. So this was mm-hmm. a poor pass rushing division last year. Yep. Not because of lack of talent, because I look at these individual players and I see some good players, but the production just wasn't there. Your yep. scores reflect that um, yep. for right edge. So. Yep. I think it's also important to know what the the coverage rank was across the board because, yeah. like you mentioned, it's important to get pressure on the quarterback. But if you have poor coverage or a poor secondary, obviously that can lead to lack of production. And Certainly. across the board, other than the Packers, we had pretty severely bad coverage or secondaries in the NFC North. The, the Minnesota Vikings ended 18th in the NFL. The Lions were dead last at 32nd. The Bears were 25th in coverage. Um, the Packers were 12th in coverage. They were average, so to speak, but they had a horrible uh, time rushing the passers, so things tend to fall apart as well. But, um, but yeah, I, I think the NFC North needs to step it up in terms of secondary. Yep. Now, these uh, we're going to talk left edge here, and there's a step up here in talent for sure, um, especially yep. when you look at uh, Vikings, Lions, and Packers. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the Vikings. Everyone knows uh, Daniil Hunter. Not a great scheme fit in a 3-4 in his first season, but we know the player. When Daniil is healthy, uh, you talk about a guy you got a game plan around. I mean, that is Daniil Hunter, right? So Absolutely. Good, good against the run, uh, really gifted natural athlete, uh, very good as a pass rusher. Um, a handful for defenses to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, a really good player. The Lions have a similar player in terms of impact, but he goes about it a different way. Uh, yep. Aiden Hutchinson, who is Absolutely. just a terror. I mean, he's yep. a human cyclone. I feel like, um, <laughs> you know, um, first round pick last year, very productive. Everything you'd want out of a football player. Um, anyone who watched Hard Knocks. 
Uh, I think you came away impressed with him as a person, mm-hmm. as a guy, as a, um, a someone who came in and, and um, was funny during the rookie talent show, and then was productive <laughs> on the field, like just everything you could want out of a guy, and, and a local product there out of Michigan. Um, Absolutely, you know, so great story there, and really good player. Uh, the Packers, uh, Rashawn Gary, also um, out of Michigan, first round mm-hmm. pick uh, for Green Bay several uh, years ago. And a guy who, when healthy, is really productive and really solid, but that was the question about him coming out of college uh, was his health, and he has missed some games in the NFL as well. But um, six sacks last year, had nine and a half in 2001, got the pedigree as a, as a former first-round pick. So really solid player for the Packers. And then for the Bears at left edge, we went with Travis Gibson, who's a relatively unknown player, uh, 25 years old, not super productive last year, but I think proponents of Gibson would say, you know, um, he had seven sacks two years ago, um, and we see a lot of potential in him. And the appealing part about Gibson is probably the unknown, the ceiling, um, what he could be. So um, that's sort of a a little bit of a general rundown on on those four players for the NFC North. Uh, in terms of numbers and grades for these guys, I put Aiden Hutchinson atop the heap. Okay. Uh, on a scale of zero to ten, I gave him a nine. Giles, okay. I um, am very uh, bullish on him. Yep. I think he could be even better this year because I think he relied a lot on a couple of pass rush moves, mm-hmm. um, and so he's going to develop more of those. He's going to mm-hmm. develop counters, counter moves to those. He's going to get better against the run. I think he's um, position versatile. I think mm-hmm. he can line up on either side. He's that like. On offense, you have these hybrid receiver running backs like Debo Samuel, right, where you like, you create plays for them that are outside of or independent of your system or your scheme. Yeah. I think you, you have players like that on defense as well, like Jamal Adams for the Seattle Seahawks as a safety, mm-hmm. like really good rusher. Don't mm-hmm. have to always play him deep safety. You can play him up in the box. Harrison Smith, a lot like mm-hmm. that too. I think Aiden Hutchinson is a guy who's got – that ability. Um, so I'm, I'm really high on him. I gave him a nine. Hunter came in second right below Hutchinson with an eight. Okay. And then um, I like Rashawn Gary a lot. I know availability is the best ability, and it's not always there for him, but I, I actually gave him a seven. And then okay. uh, Gibson, I uh, I gave him a five, but then I'm like, oh, I, I feel generous today. So I bumped him up to a six because I okay. the Bears, I think, are high on him. And so even though they were awful as a pass rushing group last year, they made a whole bunch of changes, but one of the changes they did not make was their plans for him. So mm-hmm. I gave Gibson a six. That's fair. Um, I would say we definitely aligned in some areas and we conflicted in others. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with Neil Hunter. Um, I actually view him as the best edge rusher in the NFC North. Um, yeah. With that being said, I think Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson has the opportunity to, to overtake him. One, because of his ability, and two, because of his age and his upward trajectory versus Daniel Hunter's 28. Uh, you know, Hunter's 28 and Aiden Hutchinson is 22. So there's a little bit of an age yeah. gap there and a lot of upside for Aiden. Um, but ultimately, uh, uh, Daniel Hunter was a top 10, uh, Ed rusher in football last year. Uh, he was the ninth best, uh, according to PFF. Um, he was pretty much top 10 in every statistical category, except for a few, uh, minor things. He was great in a lot of different categories. Um, I gave him an eight, um, with the upside of being a nine or a 10, depending on how they use him this year. I think, mm-hmm. um, 
think he gave up some productivity in terms of how they used him last year. So um, I think he has definitely an upside to go a little bit higher than that. Uh, for Aiden Hutchinson, I have him in a seven. Um, once again, basing off of run, pass, tackling, sacks, and pressures. Uh, because when I look at Aiden Hutchinson, um, he was mediocre in run defense. Um, well, I think there is an upside to that. But if you look at his his uh, run defense, I think there's an opportunity for him to get better. Um, when I think about tackling, that was probably the, the area that I was concerned the most with. Or the most with, he was 56th out of 130 qualified um, edge rushers. The part where he really shines is in coverage. Honestly, he was the sixth best edge rusher. Um, in, uh, in in football last year. So ultimately, I have him at a seven with a high of probably a nine. Um, I see a tremendous upside with him. Um, Rashawn Gary, um, that's an interesting one for me because <clears throat> he was the best coverage edge rusher in football last year. The best. He was number one. Um, so I think there's pretty tremendous upside for him. He was the 14th best edge rusher across the board in, in quarter, uh, according to PFF. Um, with that being said, tackling was another issue for him. He was 89th out of 130 qualified edge rushers. So if he can clean that up, I think there's an opportunity for him to get better. Um, but ultimately, I think uh, currently, outside of Aiden Hutchinson getting better, I think uh, Rashawn Gary may be the second best edge rusher in football for the NFC North. Uh, and then uh, Travis Gibson. This is an interesting one because I think uh, in 2021, he ranked, uh, uh, he had a 70.4 grade. And then yeah. 2022, he had a 48.9 grade. So he put pretty severe step backwards or, yep. you know, in terms of where he was going. So I have him actually at a three with the upside of a seven right now. Mm -hmm. um, now that might be completely off. I'm probably letting a little bit of emotion bias that, but I think um, he's the worst in terms of the right edge rushers. He, for is. The NFC North. he is the worst one. Um, and maybe I was a little generous with him though, Giles. So maybe the truth somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. I just, I don't write off and I'm, I'm not saying you're writing off those seven sacks in 2021. You're not writing it off, but I, to me, if if that was seven sacks in 2021 as a 30-year-old and now he's 32, I'm mm -hmm. not going to expect he can get back to seven sacks as a 32-year-old. But yeah. it's the opposite is true. He's 25. Yeah, that's so true. A part of me, part of this for me is a projection and not mm -hmm. totally based on production from last year. I, I'm I'm semi-projecting with, with these numbers. So um, we do we do differ on that one. The proof will be in the pudding, obviously, uh, once they yeah. start playing games. Uh, the Bears, as mentioned now for the third time, were horrible last year rushing the passer. Yeah. However, they addressed this position. And so if Gibson is looking like the 2022 version of himself early on, they're just going to mm -hmm. replace him because they yeah. have some other options in the fold there. They have Dominique Robinson. Uh, they have Rasheem Green. They have who they signed this year in free mm -hmm. agency. So they have other players uh, that they can play there, including their depth piece, who we're going to talk about next. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then um, we also, uh, I'm going to save this for the end, um, but there's a name we're not talking about right now that if we did this a month ago, we would have been talking about him, and it's Zedaria Smith. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. we're, we'll get to that here at the end when, uh, when we're done with our rankings. But um, let's go to those key depth guys now. Um, for um, for the Lions, we identified it as James Houston. For the Packers, Lucas Van Ness. For the Bears, Terrell Lewis. Now, we went back and forth on the Vikings, Giles, uh, with uh, an unknown undrafted player in Andre Carter. Yep. I, I actually studied uh, DJ Wanham. Okay. Because 
he got the most snaps at this position last year, and I think in an ideal state, DJ Wanham would graduate up to the level of a regular contributor. Fair enough. But that's not happening, right? Uh, it's just not. It's happening. There's a concern there. Yeah, it's happening in that it's it's literally happening, but it's not the production isn't happening. Yep. Um, and so I think we can kind of oscillate here between a few different guys for the Vikings depth. But um, yep. You know, James, and, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and it's important to note Patrick Jones the second as well. And those yeah. two I really oscillated back and forth with because when I think of DJ Wanham, I think of someone that has tremendous technique but doesn't have the physique of what we want in an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And I see the other way around for Patrick Jones the second. I think he's the prototypical edge rusher from a physicality standpoint, but he lacks technique. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could find a way to pair those two together, I think you'd have a great, uh, great pairing, <laughs> but I really went back and forth and both of them had below average performance in 2022. So I went really back and forth and maybe I was putting a little bit of emotional bias into Andre Carter in terms of my prospect, but those was, that, that was kind of my, my position for those two. Yep. And again, you know, you, you putting Carter on there as a projection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Like in an ideal state, this guy might be the one. Like maybe the ideal state, Wanham being there is that's expired. Maybe now, now it might be someone else, right? So, mm-hmm. um, all right, James Houston to me, uh, he's going to be an unknown name, Giles. Uh, a lot of Vikings fans aren't going to know him. He actually came in last year and had a sack in each of his first four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he came in and was uber productive. In fact, had a strip sack of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, in one of his first games. So um, a guy who comes in and gives you instant juice, um, mm-hmm. which is what you want out of a depth guy. So um, I think there's a lot to like there about him. Lucas Van Ness, first-round pick out of Iowa. Going to be interesting to see how his career unfolds. You certainly cannot fault the Packers um, for addressing the position with valuable draft capital, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they do it. Um, they... They use draft picks on defensive linemen and pass rushers. They sign them in free agency. Like they, they try to address this position, and uh, Van Ness is the latest example of that. Absolutely. Uh, for the Bears, Terrell Lewis, who's got the equity of winning a Super Bowl with the Rams, never mm-hmm. been like a, a guy you rely on as a full-time starter to play 50 or 60 snaps in a game, but can give you some punch when he comes in. You can rely on him. Scheme diverse, a good mm-hmm. scheme fit with the Bears. Um, and then uh, we've already talked about the Vikings with uh, with Carter slash Wanham. So um, I, I came in here favoring the youngster, uh, Van Ness, uh, in okay. this group. Uh, on a scale of 0 to 5, I gave him a 4 first-round pick. Productive in Iowa, good scheme fit, um, good culture fit. So I like mm-hmm. that a lot for them. And then um, I gave uh, Terrell Lewis a 3. Uh, on mm-hmm. a scale of zero to five, uh, the backup in Chicago, James Houston came in third uh, with a three, and then uh, I was a little rough on the Vikings. Wanham slash Carter, I gave a two on a scale of zero to five. So the Vikings come in last there. There we go. Um, honestly, I think we're we're flip flopping in terms of our uh, positivity towards the groups because mm-hmm. I had a little bit different position. Um, I took not only the notable depth players that we mentioned, but also the entire depth room outside of our two primary starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I did put a little bit more weight into the actual person that we referenced, but thinking about that person plus the other depth piece, yep. um, I had the Vikings at a three, um, partially because I think there's some upside with uh, Andre Carter, um, but also our other edge pieces. Are are not necessarily something that really gets me excited. So I maybe should have given them an, given them a two, um, but I upgraded them to a three because of Andre Carter's potential uh, prospects. Uh, for the Lions, I gave them a four. Um, 
partially because when I think about uh, their overall roster, I think uh, I'm really excited about um, uh, 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 James Houston. I think he performed very, very well last year in the yeah. snaps that he did. So I think there's tremendous upside there. Um, I also think they have a, a, a number of depth pieces in terms of quantity. So I think that upgrades them to a four. So um, I think they maybe have the most exciting depth out of uh, the edge rusher group for the NFC North. Um, and for the Packers, I also gave them a four, partially because I like Lucas Van Ness. Um, but I think additionally, much like the Lions, they also have a pretty large edge rusher group that they can lean on. Um, I think we'll have to see what that qu- uh, quality looks like. But I think in terms of quantity, they're doing pretty decent. So I upgraded them to a four. Maybe you can make an argument for a three, but I put them at a four. And for the Bears, I gave them a two. Um, not necessarily super excited about Terrell Lewis, uh, nor am I really excited about the rest of their their depth yeah. pieces. Uh, so I gave them a two out of a five. Yeah, I, I think you, that's the right way to put it, Giles. Like, as much as I appreciate what Terrell Lewis brings from an experience standpoint, it's hard to get excited about it, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. you can get excited about Lucas Van Ness. Mm-hmm. Depth for the Packers, a first-round pick. Like, it's it, He's going to come in... And if Smith and Gary are healthy, you have a first-round pick as an edge rusher who anything you get out of him is a bonus, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to like, hey, first-round pick, edge rusher, like we need you to start and play 17 games this year and have 10 sacks for us. Like that's a mm-hmm. lot to ask of Lucas Van Ness, and they're not asking that. Anything he does is you know, bonus or gravy. So mm-hmm. um, when, you look at, when you look at this in totality, though, Giles, this was a poor pass rushing division last year, right? Mm-hmm. So is there a team here that you look at and you're like, that's the team that can probably jump up the most and get the job done in this category in a division where no one got the job done in this category last year? So I will uh, partially disagree. I think the Vikings were able to put – some numbers on the board in the first half of the season between yeah. Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter. Both of them achieved top 10 in uh, at least pressures. I want to say also in sacks. So I think there was some productivity for the Vikings. I think it trailed off towards the end of the season when Zedaria yeah. Smith was hurt. But um, outside of that that nuance there, I also would say the Vikings in terms of my prospect for 2023. Call me a homer, but when I look at the the ages and the prospects for who is going to enter the room both on left and right um i think daniel hunter is still a top 10 prospect and i would think he was misused last year so i think under brian flores i expect him to get better i really do if not i'm i think something else went wrong um and i think the upside of marcus davenport is something that is really exciting i think he was the best edge rusher in terms of free agency that was on the market for uh, this past season so i think there's a really high upside for them currently if you look at the entire edge rusher group uh in terms of the scores i have the vikings at 17 out of 25 the lions at 15 out of 25 the Packers at 15 out of 25 and the Bears at 10 out of 25. And I think um, the Packers have a great edge rush group, but they're getting old. Now, if Lucas Van Ness can step in and be great, I think I would maybe put the Packers right there. Um, I do like Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions, but in terms of that other side, um, mm-hmm. depends on if James Houston steps in uh, at that right edge. Um, so they, they have a, an interesting uh, upside there. Um, but technically, I put the Vikings just at a, a slight advantage. Okay, um, we're we're similar. I, I have the Lions um, with a little bit of an advantage here in this division. Um, okay. There is a caveat to this, and you okay. mentioned it, and I'm going to come back to it at the end here. Okay. Um, but when I look at what every what everyone did, I, I like where Green I like where Green Bay is the most 
right now, like snapshot yeah. right now, who do I like the most? It's Green Bay. Yep. Um, but I'm curious about the Lions okay. because of Aiden Hutchinson's upside. Yep. And I think Charles Harris is like fall, like worst case scenario, we have Charles Harris as our right edge. Okay. There are players behind him who are moldable projects with high upside. They actually have two brothers, Oquaras. They have, they have two mm -hmm. Oquaras, both out of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, and they have John Kaminsky, who I like watching play. Uh, I think he's a gritty player and is never – he reminds me of Brian Robison in a lot of ways. Oh, Not going to get a bunch of glory and – not always going to have great numbers, but I think he affects the game in positive ways. So I'm a little high. I'm not high on the Detroit Lions in general like like the public is. Mm -hmm. But this facet of their team I like a lot. I like their defensive line a lot. And a big part of that is their edge players and the depth there. So yep. snapshot, I like Green Bay the most. Projection-wise, yep. I like Detroit the most. Okay. The problem I have with the Vikings, and this is the caveat, the okay. problem I have with the Vikings, Giles, is I'm still bitter and mad about Zadarius Smith not being there because <laughs> think about doing this exercise with him, with <sighs> Davenport as the, the depth guy. Oh, my God. You have the best edge rush group, not only in, it, in the NFC North, but the entire NFL. Right. Period. So, Full stop. And it's a good position to like go over the top with and have yeah. depth. If you're going to be right? heavy anywhere. I mean, Edge rusher is a great place to start. To be offensive yeah. tackler there, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm bitter about that. However, the caveat here is Brian Flores. If you if you looked at these four teams in the NFC North and everything they all did that could possibly affect the pass rush, the Vikings, I believe, made the most significant and best move, mm -hmm. which was the hiring of Brian Flores. I think of As a chip on his shoulder. Yep. yep. So now like last year it was the Lions who did that with mm -hmm. the drafting of Aiden Hutchinson, right? Yep. And mm -hmm. and this year the Packers did something similar by drafting Lucas Van Ness, but he's not going to start for them like Aiden Hutchinson did last year for the Lions. So to mm -hmm. me, the most significant move here, and I know the Bears signed one starter, maybe two, but to me the most significant move here that can affect pass rush in the NFC North was Brian Flores. So that is my caveat. Snapshot, I like Green Bay. Projection-wise, I like Detroit. But the Brian Flores thing could be a huge deal. And I'm, you know, I might be a little biased because I'm bitter about Zedarius leaving. So I might be underrating the Vikings a little bit here. And yep. it'll be very interesting to see what the Flores addition means for the Vikings defense overall. And then in, for, for purposes today for the pass rush. So in your opinion, let's do a little prediction here. Yeah. Who do you think uh, ends the year in terms of teams with the most sacks? I recognize that's a facet of this. Uh, pressure doesn't always lead to sacks. Um, yeah. But who do you think ends the season with the most sacks? That's a good question. Mm. If, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, it'd be Christmas all year long, they say, right? Um, <laughs> I'm not super confident in Jordan Love and the Packers scoring a bunch of points. If I was, my answer here would be Green Bay. 
Okay. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. So to me, it's between the Vikings and the Lions. And I think if okay. this thing, if you played this thing out a hundred times, I think the Lions would have more sacks than the Vikings more times okay. than not. But yep. in the instances in which the Vikings, in that like um, that scenario where you simulated a hundred times, yep. the scenarios where the Vikings had the most sacks, it was by like a lot. Like. The Lions are always going to win in that scenario by like five or six sacks in, in the yep. season. When the Vikings win it, they, they're going to beat all the other teams by 11 sacks. Because if something I think goes right, feast yeah. famine thing with Brian yep. Flores. Yep. yep. So, 100%. For the purposes of what you've asked, I will say Detroit. Okay. Fair okay? enough. So, my answer is Detroit. I will not ride the fence. I will say my answer for that question is Detroit. What's your answer? Um, honestly, I give you the exact same answer. I think if the Vikings are able to do it right, the Vikings win hands and feet above everyone else. But I think the next best would be the Lions. Uh, I also think um, Aiden Hutchinson in his second year is going to be a, a, another step up. Aaron Glenn into uh, his next season. I think uh, I think their their uh, secondary is going to get better, which will help with their pass rush. Um, so I think the the Lions are probably the number one position, but I'm really intrigued by what the Vikings could do with Marcus Davenport if things do truly hit. If he's able to remain available, availability is the best ability. Yeah. Um, I think there's tremendous upside with them, but that is a big if. So I'm going to say the Lions as well, but I really want to pick the Vikings. Yeah. You know, Davenport is interesting, Giles, because what I mentioned before when I was defending um, – for Chicago, and I was defending Travis Gibson. I was like, you know, two years ago he had seven sacks, and last year it dropped off. Mm -hmm. And so I project Gibson to be more like 2021 Gibson than 2022 mm -hmm. Gibson because he's yep. young. Okay, so yep. applying that same logic is only fair with in the case of Marcus Davenport mm -hmm. because you're dealing with a player who had an 88.8 PFF grade in 2021, right? Mm -hmm. And if you just look at last year in a vacuum – he dropped down to 76.8 and didn't, you know, miss some time. And mm -hmm. uh, now he's switching teams. But it's not over the top to ask him to get back to the mid-80s or high-80s because of his age. He's yep. 26. He's still developing. He's got the physique that you want. He, you would think, is a scheme fit because the Vikings just went out and got him. So they think he's a scheme fit, right? So. Yep. I think to defend Gibson the way I did is only fair to use that same logic with Davenport. And if mm -hmm. Davenport gets up to 88.8 again or higher or right around there, the Vikings are a handful as, as a pass rushing group, right? Huge. Because if Davenport is rushing that well, mm -hmm. that means either a lot of attention is being paid to Daniil Hunter, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And that's why Davenport is rushing so well. Or you have to give that type of attention to Davenport, which is going to open it up for Hunter to have one-on-ones or to face tight ends or whatever. So Yeah, which did happen when Zedaria Smith was on the team. Like yeah. The teams didn't really know who to focus on, and the other one typically made hay. Now, I think the part that people maybe misunderstand in terms of the 2022 season was the fact that we didn't necessarily have a ton of sacks. There were seasons or you know phases of the season where we did, but I think people looked at the the pressure and they said it wasn't there. Although I would disagree with that and say that it was there. It just didn't lead to, to sacks and, and quarterback hits because our secondary was so bad where we just simply didn't have enough time mm -hmm. for a play to actually develop and truly get home. So if we were able to even be you know middle of the road in terms of our secondary, I think that would have been much different. Yeah.
Yeah, that's a good point. And then last, the last component of this too, and we are not going to analyze this uh, really at all. I think we should just, we'd be remiss not to mention it is, you know, you can get pass rush and ask, ask pass rush of your interior defensive mm-hmm. line, right? And so we did not assess that here. And we are going to do interior defensive line in this exercise, but we did not apply that analysis to the edge rushing, pass rushing performance. And there might be an adjustment to the rankings here if we could incorporate some of those players into the consideration. I mean, mm-hmm. the Bears' leader in sacks last season was an interior player, Justin Jones. So Agreed. I would venture to guess the Vikings are going to take a look at a or two interior defensive linemen and are going to be projecting pass rush production from that player or those players Absolutely. so yep. we're not considering that in this exercise but in the grand scheme of things you will have to consider that so yeah interior postage is important yep all right i have uh, emptied out my notebook uh for this part of the exercise anything else that you wanted to get to on um on nfc north pass rushing grades giles no, I'm really excited for the uh, season to, to get started. I think this is going to be an important piece of the productivity for all the four teams. Um, I think uh, I'm, I am projecting for the Vikings to, to take the division, but we'll, uh, we'll see how yeah. that comes out. But I think this will be a big piece of how that happens. Yeah, I think it will be too. And so will what we talk about next week, right, which is going to be the offensive tackles mm-hmm. in the NFC North. To sort of summarize where we sit after doing this for two positions, Giles, the Vikings we 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 had coming out ahead in the quarterback rankings, right? Mm-hmm. When we went QB one, QB two, QB three, um, we had the Vikings coming out uh, two points ahead of um, of the Detroit Lions. At least those were my rankings. Yep. In this exercise, uh, we we differ a little bit, so we don't we didn't mm-hmm. really reach a consensus, which is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, I came away with Green Bay at nineteen and Detroit at eighteen. Yep. What what was your final? You came away with the Vikings at seventeen, the Lions at fifteen, yep. the Packers at fifteen, and the Bears at ten. So you went um, with some volatility to go up. Yep, you went Minnesota one, Detroit two. I went Green mm-hmm. Bay one, Detroit two. So we did reach consensus on Detroit being right up there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just I'm higher on Green Bay. You're higher on Minnesota. We both we both are pretty solid on Detroit. So. Yeah. Um, the common theme so far, to no surprise, has been Minnesota and Detroit in the quarterback mm-hmm. rankings and in the, the pass rushing rankings. So um, that is not a surprise that that's the case because those are considered the two front runners for the division. But that mm-hmm. will not be the case in every single position that we go through uh, as we continue this exercise throughout the rest of the offseason. Um, let's see where everyone sits with offensive tackles. That's what we'll look at next week. And I think we should do it in a very similar way to how we did edge rushers, Giles. Left tackle, right tackle, and then swing tackle. Yep. See who's got the best depth at the position and, and see who's got the best uh, starting talent. Uh, it'll be a fun exercise for us to do. So that's what we will do on the next episode of the Wobcast. Before we wrap this one up, no news to, to talk about with Dalvin Cook, with Daniil Hunter, or Justin Jefferson, Giles. What's the first shoe to drop, though? Is it do we need news on Dalvin? And is is there a scenario where there is no news, or is there an announcement of a restructure? Like if Dalvin isn't cut or traded and he's kept, is that a headline ever, or is it just sort of one of those things that's like just never happens? Like he's just here. Honestly, that's a great question because my gut reaction is no. I think something has to happen because he has a $14 million cap hit. But yeah. I mean, technically, we're a cap compliant. So, I mean, 
from a technicality standpoint, they could go into the season with the current structure and roll with it. If they yeah. truly think that his shoulder surgery will truly make him a better player. If you look at every statistical category, he was just as good as he always was last year, except yeah. for yards after contact. And if you think that the shoulder was the reason that that was kind of a digressing, if you can fix that, maybe they think they have another good year or two left out of him. If they think they can make another push, maybe they go for it. But yeah. truly, I think there will be another shoe to drop, and I think that starts with Dalvin Cook. Yep. Um, I think so, too. And then um, and then we'll see what happens. I think the one to worry about the least is the Justin Jefferson extension. Like, that's happening. It's just a matter of when. I don't yeah. think there's going to be any acrimony there. I don't think there's going to be a holdout there. I don't see anything no. like that happening. Agreed. The only thing to remember is Rob Brzezinski always said this, and he didn't make this phrase up, but he just always said it, deadline spur action, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's something that you're probably familiar with in your professional life, Giles, right? So yep. deadline spur action, there is really no deadline right now in the Justin Jefferson thing. Um, yeah. so other that, than mandatory minicamp, right? Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than that. Um, so, uh, we'll see what happens, but, um, kind of all quiet on the Western front front for the Vikings right now, I think, which is really a good place to be. Um, it was interesting. I was listening to Sirius NFL radio the other day and Rick Spielman was on, um, as a, as a host, uh, as a, as a co-host on one of the programs. And he talked about, we're coming up on the time of year for NFL GMs that is the absolute worst, which is when your off-season program ends mm-hmm. and before training camp. You've got like five or six weeks where you have no program going on, no practices, no weightlifting, no conditioning, no medical, nothing, mm-hmm. and you can't require players to be there, and you send them away for five weeks before camp starts. And he's like, this five weeks, like, because you're just like a worried parent staying up late, like, when am I going to get the phone call? Someone got hurt working out. Someone got in trouble, you know, with the law. Yeah. So, like <laughs> someone's surprise retiring. Someone yep. wants to play baseball. Like who, you just never know what like can happen. So we're coming up on that sort of that period for NFL GMs that they hate. It was kind of a funny way uh, to look at it. Yeah, just waiting to react essentially like, oh, what am I going to have to go do at a moment's notice? If this right. guy retires, then I need to move these things around. I need clear cap space to go sign that player. Oh, I totally get it. That would yeah. not be an envious position. No, no. Uh, probably no better example of uh, no news is good news for that five-week stretch, right? Like, <laughs> it is true. You do not want your team in the headlines from the end of the middle of June to the end of July. No headlines for our team, please, right? Yep. <laughs> Silence, please. Yep. Alrighty, that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast. We'll be back next week with another episode as we break down offensive tackles in the NFC North, continuing our quest to see where the Minnesota Vikings sit relative to the rest of the division. We think they're going to sit on top, but how exactly are they going to do it and where are their advantages? We're trying to figure that out. So far, we believe they have an advantage at the quarterback position for sure, and they are among the best in the division when it comes to the pass rushers, and we'll have to see how all of that plays out next week we'll do offensive tackles if you have missed any episodes of the wobcast and you want to go back and watch or listen to them please do that you can also do that wherever you like and subscribe to all of your other favorite podcasts google podcast google play apple podcast spotify and youtube please come and find us engage with us interact with us let us know what you want to hear about join the conversation as we continue to talk minnesota vikings football on behalf of giles this is wobby signing off for now we'll be back Next week with another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We hope you join us then. But until then, Skull Vikings.